What? Yeah, well, I did come back, obviously, yeah. All right, let's, uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, James chapter 2. So it's kind of an interesting little thought experiment, right? Like, why do we give the people what we give them? Where's James? James is towards the end after the book of Hebrews. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So it goes all the T's, okay? All the T's, and then it goes Hebrews and uh, James. So if you're flipping through and you're like, well, there's the T's, and then you see the big brick of Hebrews, and then it's James. So it is not alphabetical. So last week you guys had uh, some amazing teachers. Some of the youth were uh, teaching, so that was kind of a cool thing. Uh, first time we've ever done that. Give it up for them. So I have a story I need to tell you guys. Um, so my parents, um, which many of you probably know because I've talked about it before, my parents got divorced and my dad got remarried. And my stepbrother is significantly younger than I am. And I'm the youngest of my three brother, two brothers, three boys. And one Christmas, um, it, was, uh, it was an epic Christmas. Um, my brother, I believe he was about 16 at the time, my oldest brother. And we're opening Christmas gifts. And he opens, um, okay, he's 16. How many of you in here are 16? Okay. Imagine this, it's Christmas morning, you're so excited to open presents, and you open a present, and it is a Tigger t-shirt. Uh, no, just straight Tigger. And then my stepbrother, who was six at the time, he opened his present, and it was a Super Nintendo. So imagine that, um, you get a um, Caillou... You guys know who Caillou is? You get a Caillou t-shirt, and your sibling, who's 10-plus years younger than you, gets an Xbox 360. That would not be cool. So tonight we're going to talk about this idea of partiality, or to say it another way, um, favoritism. So um, James is writing to this group of folks, and he says, My brothers and sisters... No, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones, are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin 
and convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we have this kind of classic example taking place and being lived out within the church. Now, we know what this looks like, right? It happens on a very regular basis. Somebody shows up who is important. So, for example, if somebody showed up tonight who was uh, famous or kind of a superstar, a rock star, somebody that you thought was of value or of importance, you'd be like, oh, yeah, sit over here. Oh, hey, I got this special spot for you. Whereas uh, if somebody would show up in shabby clothes, you'd be like, um, yeah, you should probably um, actually maybe why don't you go sit over there? Better yet, let's just crack the door and we'll have you sit outside because we have this tendency, right, to judge people based on how they look. And we want to give people that have. Uh, the looks that we're looking for, or the money, or the value, a higher place, in hopes that what? They will give us something in return. So I give Eli uh, six Reese's eggs, hoping that he'll get, hey, maybe he'll give me one back. Yet, did he, did he, did he hook you up at all? No. Did anybody give you anything? No. What's up with that? I mean, isn't that often the case? You think, oh, if, I, if I'm super nice to this person and I give this person more than I think they deserve, then I should get something in return. Now, it's interesting because in the world, right, that's how this works. You know, you treat people based on how they look a different way. But the problem is, it's taking place within the church. And so what James is writing to you is these people are showing preferential treatment to the people that they think are important, dress nice, have money, and will, in fact, give them the things that they may have. But he points out the actual opposite of what they think is going to happen is happening. So they treat them super nice, they give them these places of prestige, and then what are these people doing? They're turning around and taking them to court. It's like, wait, I hooked you up, I treated you nice, and then what do you do? You turn around and you stab me in the back. Have you ever had that experience where you befriend somebody because you're like, oh, I want to be nice to this person. And, oh, by the way, they look popular. They have a swimming pool. I'd like to be friends with them. And then they turn around, and after you're nice to them, they're not nice to you. Maybe you know nothing of this. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I think the reality is you do. 
Because Nikki has this saying in our house, and she says it all the time. Um, you don't want to be the stinky kid at school. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I know, I know who that kid is. And cer certainly it's not anyone in this room. Um, but I know who that person is, and you judge them differently because you look down on them based on what they wear, how they look, how they carry themselves, not knowing what's going on in their lives. I've told you the generic Eric story before, yes? Maybe in the past. Okay, so haven't I told you this? Have I told it this year? No. Okay, so um, growing up, um, especially after my parents got divorced, uh, it was very much like if you want something, you make the money, you buy it yourself. And so at the time, Tevas were, had started to come out. They were super cool. The problem is they were expensive for somebody um, like myself who was trying to sweat it out on his own. I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade. And the Empire Mall in Sioux Falls had just opened this new store. And so, yeah, can I get an amen? Uh, and so we had gone up to Sioux Falls to go shopping, and I had a set number of dollars in my pocket, and I go into this new store, and they have what looks exactly like Teva's. And so I'm like, all right. It's uh, from a professional who, who's in the business. It's Teva. It's not Teva. Right? Yeah, Anna's in the business. She should know. I mean, she... She doesn't tell you how to pronounce Rodin and Fields. <laughs> and so I buy these sandals, and um, they say A-E-O on the tag. And I'm like, sweet, got some Teva-looking sandals. And I go to school, and somebody's like, what in the world is A-E-O? I'm like, there's this sweet new store at the mall, American Eagle Outfitter, and they're like, whatever, those are generic. And immediately it became, oh, look at generic Eric's new sandals. <laughs> they're not Tevas or Tevas. But how often do we judge people like that? It's like, come on, is that really like a cool brand? I mean, like, Eric, this shirt is so, like, four years ago. Um, yeah, I know. I also have holes in my socks, so judge me for that. <laughs> Am I even wearing socks? But we have this tendency, this innate thing in us where we look at people and we judge them. We judge them based on how they look and we treat them differently. And James says what? He says, when you treat people like that, you are sinning. <laughs> Verse 9, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressor. So when we treat people in the church with partiality because of how they look, what they wear, how much money we perceive them to have, it's wrong. 
and we should translate that also into the world. Because God doesn't look on what we have or what we wear or any of these things. And so if we're going to function in God's economy, we should not look at people and show partiality. The very first Sunday I was at Timberwood Church, I showed up in a pair of khaki pants and a dress shirt tucked in. And somebody comes up to me and they're like, Eric, let me teach you a little lesson. See what John is wearing? See what you're wearing? And walked away. And I was like, oh my word. I've never worn those khaki pants ever again on a Sunday morning. I'm not wearing them now. These are not khaki pants. These pants are newer than... Those khaki pants are probably retired. I am wearing Tevas. Pleated front, even. But we have this tendency in us, right? We look at people and we judge them based on what they're wearing. And James says, that is wrong. And then he goes into this thing. He says, but forever who keep, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. And what he is saying, it's interesting because what we've been teaching over in the adult class in Galatians is the fact that we can't keep the whole law. There's no way we can keep the whole law. And our salvation comes not from obeying the law, but it comes through grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's what he says. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Grace triumphs over works of the law. We can't keep the law. There's no way we can keep the law. And then he's going to springboard into, Nikki came up to me last night, and she's like, you have to watch this. And I believe it was um, a feed on Snapchat. She told you, right? It was like epic fails or something. And it was all these people, fail army, yes. And there was a guy that jumps on the end of a diving board and just, I'm like, here it goes, snap. Um, we're not going to snap the diving board. We're going to springboard off the law into verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Then he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So we get into this really interesting 
conversation. Um, so it was our last day in Hawaii, and there was this cliff that I really wanted to jump off of called Shipwrecks. Now, I had been warned by my friend um, that they knew somebody who jumped off it and happened to break their back. And I was like, yeah, they just didn't know how to jump off the cliff. Um, so I was like, all right, last day in Hawaii, last night, let's make this happen. And so I go up to the cliff, and it's about a 35-foot cliff. And there's a line of people, and there's this guy, and, like, the cliff edge is over there, and he's back here, like, doing this. I'm like, dude, just jump. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's fine. I, I know. I'm like, you've seen other people jump off this cliff. You'll be just fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to jump. I'm, why don't you jump? I'm like, no, I'm going to jump. You're in line. You need to jump off the cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you think anything's going to happen? No, no, I believe you that nothing's going to happen. I'm like, then jump off the cliff. Yeah, 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 I'm going to jump. And I'm like, all right, seriously, man. The cliff height is not changing. The ocean level's not changing. Nothing in this world is changing other than you taking two steps and jumping off the cliff. And I knew if I would have stepped in front of him, he would have been like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. I'm not going to jump. In the same way as faith ta as James talks about this idea of faith and works, it is synonymous with one another. Because we, we come to the edge of this cliff, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. And if we believe that Jesus is our Savior, then we should show something for it. We should have an action step, as in we should jump off the cliff. But so often we think, um, yeah, I believe in my mind, but I'm not sure I'm going to jump. We were at a different cliff, and I jumped in, and Nikki's like, all right, I'm going to jump in. I'm like, all right, it's fine, jump in. I'm like, jump in. I'm in the water. I'm going to jump. Okay, here I go. I'm like, you'll be fine. I know, I'll be fine. <laughs> jump in. I'm not going to jump in. I'm like, come on. Do you believe it or do you not believe it? And then Wyatt jumped in a different spot and landed on a rock and hurt himself, and it was all not good. <laughs> But if you would have jumped in where I jumped in, it would have been fine. <laughs> so James here is talking about the fact that if we say we believe in Jesus Christ and he is our Savior, then actions will follow after the fact. If we don't have actions to support our faith, it becomes, well, do you actually believe that? To say it a different way, if we say we believe that we shouldn't show partiality and somebody walks in who looks different than us, who doesn't wear the clothes that we think they should wear, doesn't carry themselves the way we think we should, and we don't go approach that person and say, hey, welcome to Timberwood, come sit by me, then we don't believe it. 
And James is saying, if you believe these things, your life will show them through the works that you do. If you believe that being a follower of Jesus Christ is important, then your actions will follow then after. It's not that your actions are providing you with salvation. It's that your actions are showing your beliefs. You say, well, what's more important, my faith or my actions? And James says, yes. So do I have to do things in order to be saved or to, to be in relationship with Jesus? No. We do things because we are in that relationship. You don't jump off a cliff because you think you're going to get injured. <laughs> you jump off the cliff believing that you are going to be safe and everything will be fine. Likewise, your parents don't do things for you because they have to. They do things for you because they love you. You're like, eh, that's questionable. No, it's true. <laughs> they, your parents do things for you because they love you. And they love you no matter what you do. <laughs> The inverse should be the same. We act out of our love for Jesus and our faith in him. Because the bottom line is we can't do enough. That's James's point. That's Paul's point in Galatians. We can't follow the law enough. And he goes on to talk about Abraham. Was Ab not Abraham, verse 21. Remember the song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. we're not going to go there, okay? We're just going to stop before we get to the right arm, left arm. Yeah, right, exactly. So check this out. I've been teaching in the adults in Galatians, and Paul is talking about the importance of the inheritance that comes from Abraham. And here in James, James is talking about the importance of the faith of Abraham. I mean, this is amazing. And you'd say, you planned it this way. No, we didn't. Because remember, we did a bunch of shimmying and shifting that you probably didn't even know about to the schedule. And yet, here it is anyways. So, check this out. If you have parents that are in the adult class, okay, when you get in the car tonight, you're not paying attention, so you're going to miss this. This is going to be a revolutionary night. You're going to get in the car with your parents, and you're going to say, so mom, dad, whoever you're riding with, when did you become an heir to uh, Abraham's promise? And they're going to be like, what? Just try it, because that's what he is talking about here. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You know the story, right? Abraham doesn't have any kids. He's extremely old, like way older than anyone, certainly anyone in here. And God promises him a child. He decides to have a child with somebody else. And then God says, no, I'll give you a child through your wife, who is also super old. And then they have a son, and his name's Isaac. And then God says, okay, I've given you this son. 
now you need to go take that son up and sacrifice him um, on this mountain. And God, tear, uh, Abraham, takes Isaac, and he's going to go up, and he's going to sacrifice his son. <laughs> Abraham believed that God would provide for him, and so he acted upon God's commands in his life, and he's being uh, held up as kind of one of the key people. If you look in Hebrews, it talks about the importance of Abraham's faith. Abraham was justified by his belief in the faithfulness of God and by his actions. It was this combo platter. You see, do you know that, um, you know in Hawaii what appetizers are called? Poo-poos. So you walk into the fish market and you can get a literal poo-poo platter. Um, combo platter, poo-poo platter, uh, you, get the, you get the idea. Anyway, so Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So the question for us becomes, do we believe the things that God tells us? And if we believe the things that God tells us, are we willing to act upon them? Or do we not act? In other words, we don't believe what God is saying. If I told you there was a $100 bill under one of your chairs, the majority of you would look for it because you believe me that I had put a $100 bill under your chair. Most of you are like, yeah, that would never happen. It could. Do we believe God? Or do we not believe God? And if we're going to believe the things that God has called us to do, i.e., in other words, showing the same treatment to everyone, not, not being partial, then why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we doing the things that God has called us to do? Why aren't we jumping off that cliff of faith Is it because we don't believe that God set what God says? Or we're just like right on the fence? Ah, uh, maybe. Why don't you jump? <laughs> and then I'll jump. The bottom line is somebody has to be the first person to jump. And the beautiful thing is many, many people have already jumped question is what is God calling each one of us to do what action is God calling us to take for some of us it might be coming to faith and finally saying yes to Jesus for others of us it's going up to that person that is uh, generic Eric and saying hey why don't you come sit with me why don't you come sit by us why don't you come be in our group because that's what we're called to do not only in James but in many other places Let's pray. Father God, we come tonight, and it is uh, it's so good to be here and to be back with these students and to be in this room talking about James and the challenging text that it is and the tendency that we have to sin against you by showing partiality, by looking at 
the external things that the world tells us to look at. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us and that as you call us to jump off that cliff of faith, to step out in action, to do, to do the hard thing, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be helping give us that nudge. Doing things not because it earns us our salvation, but because we love you and you love us and you have called us to do hard things. You've gone before us. Be with our time and our discussion groups, our small groups tonight. And Lord, I just pray that you'd be with the students that are going on the retreat this weekend, that it would be a meaningful time of your work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to your groups.